Good morning, everyone. Welcome in the name of the Lord to the house of the Lord. Welcome to CVL this morning. Uh, You could have chosen to be anywhere in the world. You chose to be here, and I'm overjoyed that you did that. So uh, welcome to any guests or visitors we have with us today. I know we got some folks in from out of town, from foreign countries and foreign states and all those kind of things. So welcome this morning. Yeah, now you're all looking around to see who you're trying to pick people out. Don't pick them. Don't pick out people that are from Georgia, even though you can tell, and Virginia, and things like that. No, no, I'm not going to, I don't want to embarrass anyone. I don't want to embarrass anyone, so no. Uh, But welcome to CVL this morning. I'm so happy to to see all of you as we worship our our Lord today. Uh, Let's see, um, a few announcements just as we get started. Everything you're going to need today, you're going to be able to find in your bulletin. So um, if this is your very first time here at CVL, grab a hold of this. Uh, You'll know exactly where we're headed, what we're doing when we stand, when we sit, all those kind of wonderful things. Um, so you'll find all of that in here. Uh, let's see, in the seat backs in front of you, you're going to find a gray connection card. So uh, this serves a couple purposes for us here. If, if this is your first time here at CVL, or if you're just a guest, visiting, family member, just take a minute to fill that out. Um, it allows us to kind of keep you in the loop, lets us know that you are here and with us. Uh, Backside is a spot for prayer requests, so if you've got um, things that are especially heavy on your heart, loss of life, loss of loved ones, those kind of things, or things you're especially thankful for, um, and you'd like us to say those prayers on your behalf today, uh, simply write them down on the prayer cards, and and we're happy to to do that. So um, you're going to have a little bit of time during the reception of our offering to fill these out as well, but uh, that's a little bit of a, a heads up. Um, and then after you get them filled out, the offering plates on the back wall is where you, you can put them and we'll get them to the right spot. So, yeah. yeah. So with that, let's begin the worship of our Lord this morning. So our opening song, uh, From the Depths of Woe, you're going to find it on page two. Just take note, it continues on the top of page three as well. Uh, and as always, we think we sing a little bit better here at CVL when we stretch out our lungs, when we expand our diaphragm. So, congregation, please rise on this wonderful Sunday morning. Thank you. 
Continue with our invocation and confession. You're going to find that on page three and four, and we'll speak that responsively as a congregation this morning. We begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is one body and one spirit just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. This morning we join our voices in praise to God as we let us do so as believers throughout Scripture have done. Let us approach God with a clean conscience. We know that throughout this week we have not always acted as God would want us to. So in order to walk to the Lord with clean hands and a pure heart, let us join in the words of Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. For I confess to you my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Surely I was sinful from birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. After confessing our sins, we look to the sweet message of the gospel, which assures us, which assures you of your forgiveness in the light of our sin. God tells us the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. You are forgiven for Jesus' sake. Now live your life in peace with God. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, as we come before you and one another, we do so with honesty and transparency. The sins, regrets, and mistakes we've made have not been without effect, but with you we find forgiveness and strength to repair, fix, and move forward. Your willingness to forgive empowers ours. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Congregation may be seated. This time we invite any and all the little ones up to the front. You're going to get your children's message delivered to you by Pastor Lucas.
Morning, kids. I'm not Pastor Tim. Is that okay? So my name is Pastor Lucas, and a long time ago, well, not that long, when I was a baby pastor, it's called a vicar, you're training to be a pastor, Pastor Tim taught me how to plant a church in the center of a big city. So now I'm doing it. I'm planting a church in the middle of Atlanta, Georgia. More importantly, Pastor Tim taught me how to do children's messages. So I hope you guys know that your pastor is like the king of children's messages. I think you guys know that. So kids, I've got a question for you. Um, has there ever been a time when your life got really messy? Wrong messy. Do you guys know who that is? You guys follow soccer out here? Okay. Wrong messy. What about this kind of messy? So have you kids ever had it where your life gets messy? Does anybody have a room that looks like this at home? Okay. I think you're all telling the truth. Okay. What about this kind of a room? No? Does anybody's room look like this? No? Good. So I want you to pretend that your rooms looked like one of these rooms. And imagine if this was what your room looked like, how do you think your mom or dad would feel when they walked into your room? They maybe would be mad, right? Uh, any, how would you feel when they came in? Sad? Would you maybe be afraid of what's going to happen next? Are you maybe going to get in trouble? Maybe before your mom or dad came in, what would be a good idea to do with your room? Clean it up. Clean it up. And then when they came in, you could maybe feel proud and happy and not as scared. And maybe when they would come in, they would feel a little bit better, right? So you want to clean up your mess so that when your parents come, they're not maybe mad at how messy you've been, right? Is that kind of how you think sometimes? So this is, kids, this is how people sometimes think about God. They're looking at their life and they're saying, my life is messy and broken, like one of those messy rooms, and if God could see my life, or if God could see what's in my heart, maybe he would be mad and I would be sad. And maybe if I'm going to like pray to God or come to church or talk to God, maybe first I should clean up all my mess. And if my life is really clean, then maybe God will come and listen to me and like me and love me. But is that true about God? There's a secret about God, but it's not a secret to you kids because you know it. When God sees messes in our life, what does God do with our messes? He cleans them up. Right? So God comes to us and our life and our heart is very messy with sin. And what did God do with our sin? How did God fix that mess? I'll give you a hint. It involved a cross. What did God do for you kids on the cross? <clears throat> He died. And what, what did that do to your sins? It washed them away, right? He paid the price for your sins. So God comes to us and he looks at us and like grown-ups, God looks at you and he sees all of your messes and God is a fixer. He has already fixed our biggest mess of sin by sending us a Savior. And when God sees our mess and our messy room and our messy heart, God loves us. And he doesn't say, clean it up, then we'll talk. He says, I will clean up your messes. I will help you. I love you. So kids, people don't know this about God, that he loves us even with our messes. 
but we know this, and this is why we can be so thankful for the God that we have. Right, do, you, do you kids want to pray and do a repeat-after-me prayer? Can you guys do that? We pray, dear God, through Jesus, you cleaned up our mess of sin. Help us to trust you and not be afraid to bring to you all of our messes. Amen. Okay, ready to stand up and sing? Pastor Lucas, I forgot, sometimes it is argued the most important part of children's lesson is that you get to send them away with fruit snacks. Okay, so they're in that basket right there. You can, you can do the honors. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there you go. So. I, um, all the messy pictures, I think those come even a little bit later than these little guys, so I just think of teenagers, and that looks like that could have been from my house, so <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's turn our attention to God's Word then this morning. Uh, our first selection is from the Old Testament book of Psalms. Uh, we're going to read just Psalm 38, and we're going to read that in its entirety. You're going to find it printed for you on page 6 and 7. It uh, should be on the screen behind me here as well. Uh, and this will be the basis for our sermon this morning from Pastor Lucas. So read from Psalm 38. We'll begin at verse 1. Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. Your arrows have pierced me and your hand has come down, to, down on me. Because of your wrath, there is no health in my body. There is no soundness in my bones because of my sin. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. My wounds fester and are loathsome because of my sinful folly. I am bowed down and brought very low. All day long, I, I go about mourning. My back is filled with searing pain. There is no health in my body. I am feeble and utterly crushed. I groan in anguish of heart. All my longings lie open before you, Lord. My sign is not hidden from you. My heart pounds. My strength fails me. Even the light has gone from my eyes. My friends and companions avoid me because of my wounds. My neighbors stay far away. Those who want to kill me set their traps. Those who would harm me talk of my ruin. All day long they scheme and lie. 
I am like the deaf who cannot hear, like the mute who cannot speak. I have become like one who does not hear, whose mouth can offer no reply. Lord, I wait for you. You will answer, Lord my God. For I said, do not let them gloat or exalt themselves over me when my feet slip. For I am about to fall. My pain is ever with me. I confess my iniquity. I am troubled by my sin. Many have become my enemies without cause. Those who hate me without reason are numerous. Those who repay my good with evil lodge accusations against me, though I seek only to do what is good. Lord, do not forsake me. Do not be far from me, my God. Come quickly to help me, my Lord and my Savior. This is the word of our Lord. Congregation, please rise out of respect for our gospel reading this morning. If you read from Matthew chapter 9, we're just going to read verses 1 through 8. Uh, in this, we hear, hear Jesus perform a miracle, uh, um, 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 asking a man to get up and walk, and yet the greater thing he does is forgive sins, and ultimately he did that through his sacrifice on the cross for us all. Read from Matthew chapter 9, we'll begin at verse 1. Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. Some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, this fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat and go home. Then the man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God who had given such authority to man. This is the gospel of our Lord. Congregation may be seated. Continue with our sermon song this morning, Jesus Strong and Kind. You'll find that on page 8. should come. 
said if I am lost he will come to me and he showed me on that cross he will come to me for the Lord is good and faithful he will keep us day and night we can always run to Jesus Jesus strong and kind for the We pray. Lord, sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. Bless us as we dig into your word this morning, as we meditate on it, as we ponder on it, as we think about it. Send your Holy Spirit to each one of us to think about our life with you and our heart with you and to go away richly encouraged and blessed. Bless our sermon time this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Once upon a time... <clears throat> There was a king who had it all. So he was, first of all, the commander of the most powerful military force in the world. And then the borders of his kingdom were totally fortified and secure. He lived in a beautiful palace. He had wealth and riches and splendor, probably had really good food. And on top of all of these outward blessings, everybody loved him, which is not common for maybe political leaders but everybody loved this king. He's universally respected. He was a king who had it all. Separately, there once was a different king who was constantly suffering. He was old, and he was sick, and he was in a ton of pain, and he was paranoid and suspicious, and for good reason. He's always looking over his shoulder because he was worried about what young traitor might be planning to take over his throne and try to overthrow him. And on top of all that, he had insomnia. He couldn't sleep at night. And the reason was because he was haunted by guilt, by demons from his past. He stayed up at night and he had anxiety and regret as he replayed the events of his life and he's torn up inside. He's old and sick. He's not healthy in a lot of different ways. This is a king who's having a really hard time. So compare these two kings... Which one do you think was in a better spot? Seems like an easy question, but it's a little bit surprising. I think the answer might really surprise you as to which king was in a better spot. So the first king was King David. In the prime of his life, at the height of his career, and maybe you know a little bit about this from your extensive studies of the Old Testament, right? That uh, King David, unlike his predecessor, King Saul, he was a really good king. The Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. And he's an amazing military leader. 
and he was just, and he was fair, and, and everybody loved him, and he really did have it all. But like so many people who have it all, all of David's wealth and prosperity became a challenge for him. In fact, it almost became his undoing. What had happened is that David had reached such a height of success that he started to have no accountability, and he started to think, I can do whatever I want. I can get away with it. Maybe you remember some of the different ways that this tendency showed up in David, where his pride starts to lead him to just do whatever he wants. But the most notorious one is the day that he committed adultery with his neighbor Bathsheba and then had her husband assassinated. Now, what's most notable about that sin, as terrible as that sin was, what's most notable about it is what King David did about it. You remember what King David did about that sin at the height of his career? He hid it. He covered it up. And it was because he had reached such a height of respect and success and pride that he could not bring himself as the successful king to admit that he had done something wrong, that he had messed up. And so as a result, despite all of his wealth and prosperity and how well things were going, this time in David's life, like the prime of his life, the height of his career, this was the most dangerous spiritual spot that he ever would find himself in. Because King David, the king of Israel, was not repentant for his sin. Thankfully, God sent the prophet Nathan to David to bring him to repentance. And that's a story we can be thankful for. We read psalms about that. We read one of those psalms today. Thank you, Jesus, for for forgiveness. But it is something to note that it is at his best time, at the height of his kingdom, this is when David found himself in the most dangerous spiritual position he would ever be in in his life. We've been talking about this a little bit at my church at In Town in some of our previous sermons, that during the hardest times of life, is sometimes when God helps us the most and during the best, we think, times of life is maybe when spiritually we actually face the most challenges. Now, I know you're wondering about the old king, right? The one whose life was all messed up. Maybe you guessed it, that king was also King David. But that was old King David. That was King David at the end of his life, at the time that he wrote Psalm 38, which is our sermon text today. At this time of David's life, he was old and he was sick, and so he wrote, There is no health in my body. I am feeble and utterly crushed. Even the light has gone from my eyes. Tons and tons of health problems. (coughs) David was also surrounded by traitors and people trying to take over his throne. Maybe again from your extensive Old Testament research, you'd be familiar with the name Absalom. Absalom is David's son who tried to take over and kill him and take his throne. And it didn't work. But it happened again. At the end of David's life, there was another son named Adonijah. And he was trying to steal away the kingdom from his old sick dad and steal it away from its rightful heir, which was supposed to be Solomon. And Adonijah was going to try to overthrow David and take the throne right around this time. And David knew it. And he's trying to figure out what to do about it. And so he wrote, Those who want to kill me are setting their traps. Those who would harm me are talking of my ruin. All day long they scheme and they lie. He's looking over his shoulder. He knows who some of the traitors are. And on top of it all, old King David lay awake at night and he's tormented by guilt and regret. He's replaying like people maybe do in the sunset years of their life a lot of things that have happened and choices that he's made 
including what happened with Bathsheba and her husband. And he's torn apart by guilt, unable to sleep. And that's why he writes verses like these. Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. What's most notable about these problems is not the problems themselves, but the way that David dealt with them. Because what was he doing? Now, at the end of his life, with his problems and especially with his guilt, there was no hiding, there was no covering up. David is bringing his problems to the Lord. And that's because he's learned over the years that no matter how big of a mess he makes, God, his Heavenly Father, is never going to forsake him. So there's a lot of hard feelings in this psalm, but then you see David's faith and his trust come out, and he writes at the end, Lord, I wait for you. You will answer, Lord, my God. Lord, do not forsake me. Do not be far from me, my God. Come quickly to help me, my Lord and my Savior. So at the end of David's life, he might have been physically troubled and emotionally suffering, and he was, but spiritually, he's actually stronger than he'd ever been. Because by this point in life, he had learned no matter how big of a mess he made, God, his heavenly Father, would never forsake him. So that's King David. What about you? Maybe you don't lie awake at night, tormented by guilt over sins of the past. Maybe you do. But how do you deal with your guilt? even what maybe seems like little guilt. How do you deal with it when you knew something was wrong, you're not supposed to do it, and you still went ahead and did it? How do you deal with that afterwards? Or how do you deal with when you have sinned and your sin has hurt somebody else? And so you can see the connection. Your sin hurt them. What do you do about that? What do you do when your sin causes a mess in your own life? And now there's consequences. And now there's problems that you have, and it's because of your sin. How do you react? Well, we're all different, but I believe that deep down we all have the same tendency. When these things happen, our tendency is to do nothing. Cover it up, hide it, push it down, pretend like it's all good, hope that nobody else is looking at our life and the things that are happening and connecting the dots and putting it back to us. We all have to put on this poker face like things are really good, like, like we're really good and no one else is going to be able to see what's really going on behind our poker faces. And this is really important to us because we care a ton about what other people think. Other people need to think that I'm good, right? That's really important to me. What's also important to me is that I think that I'm good. So we also need to justify our guilt to ourselves. And that's what we do. We think about the thing that we did wrong and it hurt somebody else and we say, well, all right, that wasn't great, but it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't something that lots of other people don't do. There's worse stuff I could have done and I didn't. And I do do lots of good things. I mean, I'm, I'm mostly pretty much a good person. I need to say that to myself so that I feel good about myself. But in summary, what we do with our guilt, I believe, is nothing. We ignore it. We shove it down, we hide it, we cover it up with good, we just try to get it somewhere where we don't have to see it, and we just kind of wait until life gets better, maybe life gets busier, and we just don't have to think about it anymore. Is this a good way to deal with our guilt? It's not. 
for a couple of reasons. First, we're not actually dealing with it. We're just moving it around and like putting something on top of it as though it's not going to come bubbling back up and bother us again. Let's see how that works out for us, right? But also, we might be able to fool everybody else and we might be able to fool ourselves and convince ourselves that we're a good person, but we can't fool God. God knows every wrong thing we've ever done. But more than that, God knows our sinful nature. God knows that twisted thing that is at the bottom of all of our hearts. And God knows how even when nobody else but us sees, God knows how we've brought it out and fed it and given it what it wants and encouraged it. God knows what is going on behind the innocent-looking poker faces that we all are wearing even on a Sunday morning. God knows. And we're being naive and foolish We act like he doesn't. So here's the question. God knows everything about you. And nobody else has to know it, but God knows it. God knows all of it. So here's the question. What is God going to do about it? When God sees our mess, what is he going to do about it? Well, the good news of the Bible is God already did something about it. And what God did is he sent his one and only son to die as an atoning sacrifice for the sins of the world and, yes, for your sins. So when Jesus died on the cross, it was to pay for all the specific wrong things that you've done, even if it's just between you and God. And when Jesus died on the cross, it was even to pay for the twisted nature that we have, that brokenness in our heart. Because we've been forgiven and we have been covered and we have been replaced with the perfect nature, the perfect heart of Jesus. And through faith in Jesus, when God looks at you, he sees a holy, guilt-free child of God. And you know this, God effectively dealt with our sin 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on the cross. The point of this psalm is that God wants to just as effectively deal with our guilt in our life right here today. God wants to deal with our guilt. And that's why the Apostle John writes in his letter, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's why the Apostle Peter said in a sermon, Repent and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out so that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. So, God knows us. He sees everything about us. God doesn't want us to go through our life consumed by guilt. God also doesn't want us to just like hide our guilt and think it's not going to come back and come back bubbling up. God wants to actually deal with our guilt. Right? So this is why God wants us to, to confess our sins to him, to be real about the brokenness in our heart and in our life, so that he can be real with us about our forgiveness, so that he can assure us, as your pastor assures you one way or another every Sunday service, that your sins are forgiven in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. God wants you to be real about your guilt and your struggles and sins with him, so that you can be unburdened and times of refreshing can come and you can walk away from God no longer feeling faint and crushed. All right, so it's summer and it's really hot. Uh, It's hot out here, but it's a dry heat. It's hot where I live in Atlanta. It's a super muggy heat, but it gets really hot in summer. And maybe if you're like me, sometimes the summer heat and the beautiful sunshine leads you to make some bad choices. 
Choices like, I'm going to mow the whole lawn right now because I have time for it. Uh, maybe in, in Colorado, the choice is like, I can climb to the top of this mountain and back down, and I'm going to be just fine. And you get way into the lawn, you get further up the mountain than you should have gone, and now you have this feeling, and the feeling is called thirst. And, you know, there's little thirst, like, I probably should stay hydrated, and there's thirst, like, there's one thing I need, and it is water. My bottle's empty, I'm halfway up the mountain, I am in need. You're, you're dizzy, you're, you're feeling it, you're maybe on the verge of heat stroke. And at a time like this, you don't need anything fancy. You know what you need. Your body knows what you need. You need water. And so you finish the lawn, or some nice person on the mountain has extra water, and you sit down and you just drink it, and your body is like, this is the one thing that I needed. And it feels so good. The point of this psalm is there's times in life when you feel this way spiritually. When you are spiritually faint, you are spiritually thirsty, and it is because of sin and guilt. Like, there's going to be times in all of our lives where sin is pressing down on us like a burden too heavy to bear, where guilt is siphoning our strength away. And in those times, the last thing God wants us to do is pretend like we're not thirsty. That's like if you're mowing the lawn in the heat or climbing the mountain, then you get really thirsty and you just pretend that this isn't a thing that you need. You know what you need. You need water. And God says, I know what you need. You need grace. You need forgiveness. You need love. So come drink what you need. And that's the beautiful line of the song that we sang right before the sermon. Jesus said, if I thirst, I should come to him. Nothing else can satisfy. I should go to him. This is what God is for. He knows what we need spiritually, and he's got it. It's grace. So this is the lesson that David learned throughout the course of his life, and you can see it culminating in this psalm. While young, inexperienced David had tried to deal with his guilt all on his own, wise old King David has learned to turn it over to the Lord. And so he says, like he winds up with his faith. He ends with his faith. He says, Lord, do not forsake me. Do not be far from me, my God, and I know you're not going to. Come quickly to help me, my Lord and my Savior. And that's exactly what God did. He guided David through his sickness at the end of his life. He guided the kingdom into the hands of its rightful heir, which was going to be Solomon. And eventually he guided David all the way to his eternal home in heaven. And this is what God longs to do for us. So this is why Christians come to church. And this is why we go to Bible studies. And this is why we read devotions. And this is why we pray. It's not to pretend like we're the good people that don't have any sin or guilt. It is exactly the opposite. It's to bring our sin and guilt to the foot of the cross where it belongs and drink deeply from the never-ending fountain of grace that God has poured out for us. We come to God, you come to God every Sunday, guilty and burdened with stuff, and you give it to Jesus, and you drink of his love, and you walk away refreshed. That's the kind of relationship that God has with us. It's also the kind of relationship that God longs to have with everyone. Once upon a time. Once upon a time, there was a teenager who made some really awful decisions at a party. 
and consumed by guilt and fear over what she had just done, she got into an Uber and she sped off into the night. You picture her bumping along in the dark, her hoodie up, leaning on the side of the car, and she's texting her friend as she speeds away from this party. And this is what she texts. I messed up so bad tonight. Please don't tell my dad. If he ever finds out about this, he's going to kill me. A different time, a different teenager made some terrible decisions at a party. Consumed by guilt and fear over what she had just done, she went into like, you know, the coat room at this party and she began frantically searching for her phone and her friend came in and said, what are you doing? And she found her phone and she said, I messed up so bad, I need to call my dad right now. And she called him and he came and got her and he brought her home from the party. Two different girls, similar situations, two very different views of dad. I messed up, don't tell my dad he's going to kill me. I messed up, I got to call my dad right away so he can help me. Which one of those relationships is the relationship that God wants us to have with him? It's the second one. We read the whole Bible and God says, call on me in a day of trouble. Bring to me your guilt and your shame. God wants us to open up our empty, exhausted hearts to him so he can fill them with his refreshing forgiveness. It is what our soul needs more than anything else. And yet, so many people don't know this, that God exists to satisfy this very need. I wonder if perhaps this is the greatest misconception that people in our world have about God. Because we're all sinners. We all have our stuff. You have your stuff. I have my stuff. We all have our sin and we all have our guilt. And naturally, we think that we're like that first teenager thinking the way that, that she thinks about her dad. And that's how we think about God. I can't let anybody find out. I've got to cover up my guilt so that others don't know. I've got to cover up my sins so that even God doesn't know. I've got to do good stuff to make sure I look good because if God knew what was at the bottom of my heart, God would kill me. But what people don't realize is God does know what's at the bottom of our heart. And instead of killing us, he died for us. He sent his own son to, to die on the cross. He gave us his own life in exchange for ours. And a God who would do all of that, who would see all of our sin and guilt and shame and still love us, that is a God worth knowing. And it's our mission, it's your mission, to make sure that as many people in the world as possible know God like this. Because again, everybody in the world has their stuff. Everybody in the world has their guilt. We're all shoving it down. We're all covering it up. We all have our poker faces on. Uh, people are even trying to explain God out of the picture because it's more comfortable to not have a God than it is to have a God who's going to be mad at you and if he finds out what you did, he's going to kill you. But you know, and I know, the kind of father that we have. He loves us. He forgives us. He refreshes us. So my prayer for you guys as you go out into your week is that God would give you many opportunities to share that refreshment with everybody who is so thirsty all around you and also to drink from it yourself. God grant that to all of us for Jesus' sake. Amen. And now the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus your Savior. Amen.
We will uh, continue then at this time by receiving our offering this morning. Uh, as always, we thank you in advance for your generosity. Your donations help us share Jesus and give that, that refreshing uh, drink of water, spiritual water to our community. So uh, we thank you for that. You can give online, which many of our members do. There's a QR code actually in the bulletin. Uh, you're also welcome to give in the offering plates you're going to find on the back wall there. Uh, let's see, this is also a good time if you haven't had a chance to fill out one of those great connection cards or prayers, um, you can do that as well. And then last but not least, don't just sit there staring ahead during the reception of our offering. Say hi to somebody seated near you. We'll give you a couple minutes to do that. So.
Congregation, please rise for prayer. Uh, this morning, there's several individuals we want to remember in our prayers, and as always, uh, in your personal prayers in the coming week as well. Um, so if you didn't fill out one of these prayer cards, that's all right. You can use them for uh, making notes of people that you can, you can remember to pray, pray for uh, throughout the week. So, uh, so let's see. So several that are, that are sick or suffering, recovering. Uh, so Christy Robinson, um, who's, who's kind of going through some health issues. Also, uh, Jim Carlson, as he recovers um, from his back surgery. Uh, we also have Brian Seaman's sister, Debbie, uh, who has a rare bacterial infection. So we're asked that the Lord is with her and those doctors. Um, and also safe travel for Brian, who, uh, who is actually um, traveling, is on his way back to, to Colorado. Uh, let's see, Kathy Butler is in the hospital. Um, this, she has complications from liver cancer, so we're going to ask that the Lord is with her. Um, and then with uh, a prayer with... Um, Lorna and Scott Morton, specifically Lorna's family. Uh, her brother Randy was in a motorcycle accident uh, this week. Um, he was riding with his girlfriend, Tammy, um, and, and in a real serious accident, Tammy actually lost her life. So she died in that accident. Uh, so we want to pray on behalf of her family who are mourning that loss. Uh, Randy survived it, but has had uh, multiple, multiple surgeries and is down in Colorado Springs and might be in surgery as we uh, speak here this morning. So we're asked that the Lord continues to be with him uh, and with Lorna and the entire family as they kind of work, work through that. Uh, let's see, we have a prayer uh, on behalf of Mary's uh, grandson Noah, his 16th birthday. So we're asked that the Lord uh, gives him strength and grace in the coming year ahead. Uh, and then last but not least, a prayer of thanksgiving uh, for, for Tom's mom and dad, uh, Patricia and Tom Sr., for 62 years of marriage. Yeah, so that's awesome. Uh, yeah, so 62 years of marriage, uh, um, but also, also strength as Tom's dad, as Tom Sr., is, um, it seems as though his earthly life is coming to an end. And so uh, we'll pray that God strengthens him spiritually, even as his body breaks down physically. So let's go to our Lord in prayer this morning. Lord, above, we come to you this morning on behalf of several who are sick or suffering uh, or just struggling, struggling with, with, um, with physical ailments. So this morning, we ask uh, that you continue to be with, with Debbie, with Kathy, uh, with Christy, and with Jim. Um, each of them are, are recovering, their bodies are gaining strength, and so we ask that you be with them, um, that in this time of physical weakness, that you give them spiritual strength. Um, be with those doctors and nurses that are using their gift of healing on their behalf, uh, and, and we boldly ask that you get them swiftly back on their feet. Uh, Lord, we also ask and, and come to you this morning uh, on behalf of Randy, who, who is undergoing surgery maybe as we speak, um, and also on behalf of Tammy's entire family at the loss of her. Lord, um, we, we see tragedies like this, we see accidents like this, and we ask the natural question of why, why uh, in this manner? Why at this time? Why? Uh, um, what purpose could this have? And, and we don't always receive the answers that maybe we would like this side of heaven. And yet we know that you don't waste any suffering or pain. And that in fact, uh, you are going to be with them and with Tammy. She knew you as her Lord and Savior. And so uh, even in the midst of her family's earthly loss, we know that she stands in your presence. Uh, that she is in heaven with you, and we, uh, we have great comfort from that, and we ask that you comfort her family in that knowledge. 
uh, be with Randy as he goes through these surgeries, as he uh, um, physically is, is recovering, but also um, just the struggles and guilt of, of, of what has happened. And so be with him. Remind him that, that he is loved, that he is forgiven, and that, in fact, that's why you gave your life on the cross for him. Uh, Lord, this morning we also ask that you continue, that you are with Brian as he travels back home uh, to his wife and to us here in Colorado. Uh, give him safe travel, send his guardian angels with him, uh, and bring him, bring him back safely here. And Lord, this morning we, we end with a couple prayers of thanksgiving. Uh, we give you thanksgiving for 16 years of life you've given to Noah, and we boldly ask that you give him many more years into the future, years uh, as opportunities to sing of your grace, to know you, and ultimately to share you with those whom he lives and loves. And Lord, we also give you thanksgiving for 62 years of marriage you've given to Patricia and Tom. Um, um, their love for each other is reflected in your love for them and, and as individuals. And so we ask that you uh, continue to be with them, um, allow them to, to um, be there for one another, to continue offering that unconditional love to each other, and, and remind them and reassure them without a shadow of a doubt of your unconditional love for each of them. Um, heaven's door is open, not because of who we are, what we've done, um, the triumphs or the messes, um, but solely because of you, your sacrifice, your love that you poured out for us on the cross. Now, Lord, hear us as we bring you our personal prayers and petitions. And now we pray the prayer which you yourself have taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And now, brothers and sisters, go in peace, live in harmony with one another, and serve the Lord with gladness. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and grant you his peace. Amen. We're going to remain standing if your knees and back will take it. Our closing song is Nailed to the Cross. You're going to find it on page 11 and 12. Stand accused by my regrets And the devil roars his empty threats I will preach the gospel to myself That I am not a man condemned For Jesus Christ is my defense My sin is nailed to the cross My soul is healed by the scars, the weight of guilt, I bear no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. When my doubt and shame hang over me, like the arrows of the enemy, I will run again. 
that rugged hill of hell's defeat, my fortress and my victory, my sin is nailed to the cross, my soul is healed by the stars, the weight of guilt I bear no more, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, my sin is nailed to the cross. Congregation may be seated. Good morning once again to everyone. Welcome, welcome on this wonderful Sunday morning. A uh, special welcome to guests, visitors we have with us here today. My members hear this on a weekly basis, um, but it takes lots of bravery to come to a new place with new people that do things in new ways, and you got to find the bathroom, and don't, where's the water fountain, and all these things. Um, so no, very honestly, it takes a lot of bravery to do that for the very first time, and we are overjoyed that you were brave, that you worshiped with us, that you came. So uh, a small token of our appreciation, we've got water bottles in the entryway. So this is your very first time here at CBL. If you're a guest, your visitor, grab one of those, take it home. Um, yeah, just a, a small token of saying thank you. Thank you for taking time out of your day. Thank you for coming. Thank you for worshiping, and thank you for listening to our, our message and listening to Christ this morning. So, uh, let's see. More thank yous to Pastor Lucas Bitter for delivering God's message to us this morning. Yeah. Uh, so, we are, we are privileged on, in kind of a, a lot of ways, um, uh, 
for Lucas delivering that to us today. He is a church planner in um, downtown Atlanta, in town Lutheran Church in, it, in Atlanta, uh, him and Meredith, and so we we're overjoyed that they were here. He mentioned he, he, I didn't ruin him too much. He was one of my pastoral interns back in the day, so he's turned out much better uh, than me. Um, but uh, we're also privileged that uh, um, about two or three times a year, uh, we are a part of what we call a Church Planners Institute, where um, young missionaries, not always young, new missionaries planting new churches throughout the United States um, actually go to Castle Rock and do a, what they call a Church Planners Intensive. So um, it's, it's four days of kind of learning some of the practical steps of what it takes to plant a brand new church. So that happened this weekend. So this morning, uh, that's why... Pastor Lucas is here and his wife, but we've got other church planners here today, too, that are visiting us. So uh, Matt Rothy, who, who was also one of my pastoral interns, and I'm not going to rank the two of you, because, but we will allow for uh, arm wrestling or fighting afterwards to determine the winner. No, I, no neither of those. Neither of those. So. Uh, but Matt is in Virginia, uh, Alexand... Fredericksburg, Fredericksburg, Virginia. Yeah, uh, in a new church plant. Was it close? Listen, on a map, yeah. <laughs> to me, the Northeast is just, it, I don't know, it's a mystery. So I, we stick out west here. So no. Uh, so yeah, so Matt's in Fredericksburg. Uh, and then Eric Melzo is in Chattanooga, Tennessee, right? So also another new church plant. Actually, probably a similar timeline to CVLs here, just built a new, a new building. So, um, and I think, I think those are all the ones I got, but um, say hi to them after the service, chat them up, welcome them to Colorado where they were able to um, dehydrate a little bit and, yeah, get, shed some of the water from, from those places. Um, but welcome, welcome them to, uh, to CVL today, and, and we're overjoyed that they were able to, to worship, worship with us. So, uh, okay, so a couple announcements. First is, uh, thanks to all the guys that came for our first ever annual gold panning men's group outing last week. So, um, and I know you all are wondering, like, is the budget taken care of? for the rest of the year from what the men's group did. Um, let's just say we're still not going to fulfill the budget with what we found. But uh, I did bring, if you're curious, we have, we have three vials here. Um, not all of these were found in our men's group event, but they, but they are representative of what someone could find if they were good enough. So Eric, Eric brought some along. So one of these has got little garnets in it, which are, are pretty. One has some gold flakes in it. And then, and then this one is mine. And there is, there is one singular gold dust in there. So I, I think I will probably donate it to the budget. Um, but uh, if you're interested in just curious about looking at these. I'm going to leave them up here. You can look at them after, after the service. And, uh, but it was a wonderful day. Uh, we didn't find tons of gold. We did find some gold, um, but it was, it was, it was a wonderful, wonderful time being together and the devotion and everything. So thanks to all the guys that, uh, that came out for that. So uh, let's see. Today, as some of you know, actually, we have a pretty, we have a, a, a decent contingent of you that are not here today because um, they're all camping. So our church campout was this weekend. Uh, so we had, I don't, maybe 25, 30 that are actually probably uh, fingers are sticky from marshmallows. They smell like smoke, uh, bug spray on them and are traveling back. So they did a devotion up there. Um, so, but from all, all events and I think it was a, it was a good time. So 
Yeah, and then, oh, and you've got Carbon Kids, right? Yep, okay. Let's go straight to that, Kristen, yeah, so. Good morning. So next Sunday after church, we're going to have a Carbon Kids uh, volunteer, but also parents who would like to volunteer. We're going to talk about what this new coming uh, Sunday school year is going to look like and to kind of talk more and answer any questions for anybody who is interested in becoming a volunteer and kind of see how we're going to, how we run the program here. So please join us. There's a sign-up sheet. We'll have some barbecue and some, if everyone could bring a side dish or a dessert, and it'll be after church. So, you know, just an hour, hour and a half that we can talk about what Carbon Kids is going to look like this coming year. And we really would love some extra hands. These children are very precious to this church and that we get to share the love of Jesus to them. So thank you. Yeah, thanks, Kristen. Um, one of the things that I, sometimes folks don't know, especially... Uh, maybe if you if you didn't grow up in church or haven't been in church in a very long time, um, and because some churches do it differently, but our Carbon Kids, so making sure that our kids, the kids that come to us, know who Jesus is, um, those aren't paid positions. They're completely volunteers. So um, it, it is all you, it, 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 um, and it's our responsibility, right, to be able to step up to do that. So now, with that said, I think it can be pretty scary and intimidating to say, okay, I'll help teach kids. Um, we know that, actually. So come next week. That we'll, We will set your fears at ease. Um, the kids just love to hear about Jesus. Um, as much as, let me put it this way, as much as you like the children's lesson, and it's one of my favorite parts of the service, um, that's the kid, all they want to do is hear about Jesus. And you get to tell them about Jesus, right? And they don't care how charismatic or, or, or um, how much knowledge, I mean, it's just kind of that simple. So please come next week, and we will, we'll get you, we'll, we've got everything you need uh, to be able to do it and, be able to, and for us to be able to teach the next generation about Jesus. It's a real privilege and an honor. So, um, yeah, so come for that. Uh, let's see. Those are all my announcements. Uh, starting point, no formal class today. So I've been kind of doing individualized classes with you, so some of you might get texts or messages from me during the week, but um, I think those are, those are all. There's a few more announcements in there. Feel free to read through them on your own. So. so with that, have a wonderful rest of the week. I'll give you a warm handshake, warm smile as you leave, and uh, Lord's blessings. Thanks for